Welcome to the Fantasy Football Brothers Podcast. My name is Blake, and I'm here with my younger brother, Carson, and we are on to week 15, and oh, by the way, we're head-to-head this week in, in the playoffs. Oh, are we? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, are you sure we are? I thought I was I'm looking positive. at the bracket. Oh, that's disappointing. Okay, <laughs> I'll move on swiftly so no, from that. Oh, my god. Yeah, no, no FFB uh, championship round for us. I thought I was on the opposite side of the bracket. All right, whatever. Anyways, um, yeah. So it seems like I may have regained my lead a little bit on game picks, so that's some good news for me. Um, I have 125 correct, Blake has 122 correct. It used to just be one different, so did I get both yeah. of the differences correct? <laughs> you did, you did. Uh, the Titans let me down, and uh, what was the other one that we picked differently? I think it was... I don't remember for give, sure. Give me one sec, and I'll, and I'll tell you. Yeah, of course, I picked against um, the Titans. That sounds about right. Ravens... Steelers was the other one that we picked every uh, yes yes all right and there's no teams on by this week and no teams on by mm-hmm. for the rest of the season as you probably know mm-hmm. so we'll jump right into Thursday night football all right let's do it so first matchup division matchup 49ers at Seahawks um, and not a lot of news here for San Francisco outside of the fact that Debo Samuel's ankle injury um, is expecting him to miss about three-ish weeks. He could be done for the rest of the year um, until the playoffs start for for that team because they're likely going to make it. Um, but in terms of fantasy football, he may be out for the rest of the time. Mm. Um, and I want to ask you, how does this affect other pass catchers like Ayuk, Kittle, and maybe even Jawan Jennings? Uh, Fantasy-wise, I would say definitely benefits Ayuk and Kittle. And uh, you adding the little even Jawan Jennings is kind of showing your cards because I don't feel like I care enough to think that Jennings is a reliable fantasy option. Um, although, I mean, maybe I could be proven wrong, but I wouldn't be looking to play him this week if he somehow performs well. I mean, I still wouldn't be wanting to trust him in fantasy playoffs. So, no, not really. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got one top 20 finish all season, so that's that's yeah. fair. Um, he's been there for a while, like, on the team, on the 49ers, and he hasn't really emerged uh, even there are portions of time where he was like their second best wide receiver, but he still was irrelevant because Kittle was there and then Ayuk was healthy and doing well, or Debo was being Debo. So he just hasn't really emerged ever. Yeah, that's fair. And I think honestly, on top of that, it might just be leaning heavier on Christian McCaffrey in the past yes, game. That's fair. That is fair for sure. All right, cool. Um, Let's talk about the Seahawks now. Ken Walker has no injury designation, uh, but it's not a great matchup, so I would say lower expectations. He is still a must-start. And then let's talk about the pass catchers. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Marquise Goodwin all caught a receiving touchdown and scored 17 or more fantasy points, but who would have guessed that Marquise Goodwin would lead this group with a stat line of 5 for 6 for 95 yards and a touchdown? For a total of 20.3 fantasy points. Is this news or noise? I think it's... I mean, it's, since this isn't literally the first game this season where he has boomed, I'd say it's a little bit of news, but I'm still leaning more towards noise just because I wouldn't be looking to play who I think is the third best pass catcher, and I think everyone would think that, um, mm-hmm. in this offense in the fantasy playoffs. But once we get to this stage in the season for fantasy football... There are some players that I would not really be willing to take the risk on, and if they burn me on the bench, I just have to live with it because at the end of the day, yeah. I never was going to consider starting them over someone else that should be healthy in my lineup. But, you know, if you have an injury 
to a player that has been there all season and you have a vacant slot, I mean, someone like Marquise Goodwin might be a pretty good play, but I wouldn't be looking to start him over someone else I already have that's doing well. Yeah, I think the thing about it is maybe if this was mid-season yeah. and you could kind of take that risk on a player, it might be worthwhile. But yeah, being in the playoffs and the way that San Francisco completely dominated and shut down Tampa Bay's passing offense, uh, it's just not a good look. Um, and, and by the way, the Seahawks, despite the receivers' stat lines, they struggled in general last week. I mean, they, they did end up losing to Carolina at home. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's uh, it's kind of in the middle, but for, for, for fantasy purposes, it's mostly noise. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about, now that bye weeks are no longer a factor, is Geno Smith, who's currently sitting at QB six I overall, st- still a top ten option. Yeah, don't don't check our QB rankings from preseason because we were way <laughs> off on that one. Yeah. Um, but is he still a t- top ten option this week given the matchup? I'd say he's probably more of a high end QB two, just outside that top ten, mm-hmm. given the matchup. Um, yeah, that's fair. And he's finished He's finished at QB 11 a couple times over the past month of games. So I think that's more reasonable. Um, it is, uh, It's. I mean, we, we keep saying it, but it's a really tough matchup. And the yeah. fact that San Francisco is only favored by three and a half points in this game, uh, granted they are the road team, um, but that just, that seems, that seems a little too low. Yeah, I mean, I thought about the Seahawks for a second here just because of Debo's injury, but, I mean, you can't bet against this defense on the 49ers. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm feeling as well. Um, And really quick, I am going to go look at Seattle's defense. And and also just to add on to that, it doesn't even really matter about their defense being amazing. That's a great added bonus, but... What I mean is, like, it doesn't really matter that Debo's gone because they have Christian McCaffrey now. Like, of course, they're even stronger with Debo, but they still have that, like, X-Factor player. And then Kittle can sometimes do it all on his own, too. Like, yeah, it's it's a scary yeah. team. It certainly is. It's it's becoming one of the one of the front runners in the NFC, and, I, and that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. with Mr. Right, Relevant so at QB, too. <laughs> that's right. Uh, both picking the 49ers in this one. All right, so let's talk about now the Saturday slate of games. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is Colts at Vikings is up first. Uh, Colts coming off their bye. Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman are lineup locks. Uh, everyone has been able to put up yards through the air against Minnesota. We've seen it with uh, Mac Jones. We've seen it last week with Jared Goff. Um, or was that correct? Or am I yes. getting my weeks mixed up? They play the Yeah, games. that's right. <clears throat> so... We've seen people, uh, kind of unexpected quarterbacks, we'll say, put up massive yards through the air against Minnesota. I think if you need a sleeper pick for the first round of the playoffs, Alec Pierce, who caught four of eight targets in Week 13 for 86 yards and a score, could deliver again this week. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think that's a, a good sneaky play. I'd be more interested in DFS, but it's a Saturday game, so I don't know how many competitions that would be in, but if you wanted to do that, <laughs> then than my fantasy playoffs but again like the situation i said with marquise goodwin if you have a player that last second got injured and you really don't have a good replacement i think pierce yeah. probably well, a better is a player much... than goodwin in my eyes yeah this is a much more appealing matchup in that from that sense yes um and, and i agree it is considered a sleeper pick based on you know he's rostered in 32 percent of leagues on sleeper um there's a bit of a coincidence there but um 
you know, despite that, I think that given the matchup, I think this could be a good spot for him to uh, outperform expectations. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Vikings on the other end of this, the home team, four-point favorites. Uh, we've got Dalvin Cook, who struggled mightily at Detroit last week. 15 rushes for 23 yards. He did find the end zone that kind of salvaged his day. Uh, caught one pass for 13 yards and lost a fumble. I can't imagine benching him if you're competing in your playoffs, right? No, you can't do that. Uh, it's a yeah. it's a tough it's a tough day for him last week in week 14, but yeah, it, it's not enough to just send him to the doghouse and now he's on the bench. Yeah, I mean, if anything, you know, maybe now he's a, a more of a flex level play. I mean, he he's had four straight games outside of the top 12, so that's not great. Um, yeah. But in general, he's kind of been disappointing this season. So yeah. Yeah. I think that that's uh, that's fair. Don't don't overreact with this bad game. Uh, moving on to the pass catchers, Justin Jefferson continues to cement himself as one of the absolute best wide receivers in the league. No surprises there. Adam Thielen delivered another respectable week, thanks in part to his second receiving touchdown in three games played. Thielen has boom-bust potential, as his last three games have resulted in weekly finishes of wide receiver 9, 69, and 12. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like rostering Thielen would be annoying, but he does have that ceiling that can just burn you on the bench and you don't know when. Or he can bust when you start him and he burns you that way too. So I think he'd be an annoying <laughs> player to roster. I wouldn't be looking for him in the drafts next season. Yeah, that's fair. Another year older and an already aging receiver is uh, is yeah. a tough sell for sure. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that next preseason. Uh, but let's move on to TJ Hawkinson, the last uh, remaining lineup lock. He is a tight end, of course, and that he sees consistent volume in a pass-heavy offense. Uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to get any arguments from me on that one. No. Um, we're picking this game. You're taking the Vikings. I am inclined to agree with you. Yeah, even though Colts coming off of a bye, which could be pretty good for them. Um but yeah, I think the Vikings will bounce back after their loss to the Lions. And how cruel is it for them to have a Saturday game in the first week of many fantasy leagues playoffs? That's cruel. But you, I you know figure? you'll say you got to be on top of it, which I agree with, and I would never make the mistake personally. But a lot of people would of just forgetting. Wait, what do you that mean? They have to set their lineup before Sunday. Oh come on! Yeah, if you're if you're in, if you're competing in the playoffs, you better be looking at your lineup before Sunday. Like, I'm sure that I'm you, you are not too naive to think that even people that make it as far as the playoffs are not immune to maybe not looking at their lineup before Sunday or Saturday night. It happens. All right, well, invite those people not to the league with me. Yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is a lifestyle, baby. Oh, All yeah. right, let's move wow. on to the next game. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens, another division matchup. Baltimore Ravens at Cleveland Browns. Uh... And this one's kind of near and dear to your heart because yeah. you've been rostering Lamar Jackson all year. Uh, you picked up Tyler Huntley and played him. He was unable to finish last week's game after suffering a concussion in the third quarter. Monitor his status this week. Uh, Carson, if he plays, where does he rank for you? Probably below Deshaun Watson. <laughs> is that an answer? It is an answer. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's quantify what that means. Is that... Uh... He's like probably, a QB2 mid-range? Yeah, yeah. I think he's okay. a fine QB2, but I'm not super excited at his prospects. 
it does hurt that's fair to me last week i'm glad i still won that game but yeah that wasn't good (laughs) yeah there was a or start him ahead of watson rather yeah i mean how fortunate for you that the guy on the other end had kyler murray yes that helped Um, and ramondre stevenson i'm just saying but yes that did that that really hurt him and helped me yeah um Anyway, let's move on with some other players here. J.K. Dobbins had a strong showing in his return to the backfield. 15 touches, 120 yards, uh, and one touchdown. Didn't see a single target, which makes him extremely touchdown dependent. Uh, We've been saying that all year, that he's been available to play, that that's kind of the player that you're expecting whenever he's in your lineup. So play him at your own risk. I think Um, think he could be a flex play. Do you think that's unfair? No, I I do. Cleveland's been really bad against containing running backs, so J.K. Dobbins could certainly have uh, even a multiple touchdown game, um, even if it's lower volume. Eight yards per carry. I mean, it's it's like Rashad Penny, (laughs) my guy. And Dobbins was also (laughs) on my bench, so I'll be considering him making my lineup. But yes, I don't like uh, what his the lack of targets means for his floor. I don't like that. I agree. Yeah, that's that's the concern. Um, and then lastly, Mark Andrews is the only lineup lock on Baltimore, but it's kind of the similar situation to TJ Hawkinson, um, although you could argue Andrews has been worse lately. Um, I'm going to pull up his, his game yeah, log he here. he definitely has been. 3.7, 9.4, 11, 12.3. Those were his last four since their bye week. But it's just so it's still too bold. To not the tight end one that you drafted, that's for sure. Correct. Correct. All right, well, let's talk about the Browns next. Um, Here's a fun fact for you. Cleveland has one offensive touchdown since Deshaun Watson returned as the starting QB. Is that news or noise considering their last two opponents were Cincinnati and, oh, yeah, one win Houston? Um, It's a little bit of news. You kind of tactically put Houston as the second team that you listed, making it seem like that was the second game against them. I don't know if that was tactical. But it it is better that, you know, you can say he was rusty in his first game back and years against Houston and then came back Mm -hmm. against a tough team in Cincinnati in the next one and only did one touchdown but I think seeing some level of progress from his first start to his second start I think is also news so I don't know I'm feeling a little conflicted because this offense does not look that good and they do like to force everything through Chubb if they are doing well offensively but I still think that Watson's trending in the right direction but he he set the bar low to start off I'll say that (laughs) Yeah, that's certainly true, and I would say since Lamar got hurt, you weren't you're not exactly spoiled uh, with riches at QB. No. So you'll take what you can get. Yeah. Um, with Nick Chubb, he has scored eight and eight point four fantasy points respectively in his last two games. That really hurts, but you have to keep starting him. He's RB six on the season. Um, you're just praying that he finds the end zone this week. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the pass catchers, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been boomer bust with Watson under center. Stat lines of three catches on three targets for 44 yards and eight catches on 12 targets for 114. So uh, that, that is a wide range of outcomes that we're seeing from him uh, given the matchup. Is this a game that you're leaning more towards flexing DPJ or benching him? Probably flex a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I know the Ravens' defense started off with a lot of injuries this season, so maybe they've changed. But to start the season, teams were slinging it against him, against them. So like, mm-hmm. 
it could happen again. So again, DPJ is someone we talk about a lot because he finds himself at that fringe spot, but I'd be leaning a little bit more towards him being a flex option than having wanting nothing to do with it. How about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think if you're considering flexing Donovan Peoples-Jones, you may not have better options. Yeah. So, and that's I, not an indictment. I like him on more than skill. Marquise Goodwin and Alec Pierce, right? Yes, I, I would think so. Um, yeah, that, that's fair. Um, but let's talk about Amari Cooper. He's been objectively worse since Watson's <laughs> return with weekly finishes of wide receiver 54 and 61, respectively. Uh, Cooper is wide receiver 12 on the season, but given how he's performed over his last two games, should fantasy managers continue starting him? And I know that this is kind of contradictory to the conversations about running backs, but it's a much different conversation when you look at wide receivers. It is. It is different. Um, I would still say you probably don't have a safe option that's just sitting on your bench that you would start, that you would bench Cooper for. If you do, Mm -hmm. then I mean, Cooper hasn't really proven himself since Watson's been there. So that's not unfair, but I just don't think you probably have someone that's not also a risk. So I would go with Cooper if you want, if you're having a risk. And here, and here's the only other thing that I'll add to this conversation is that uh, Amari Cooper, for whatever reason, has been a much worse player on the road this season than at home, and he is coming home to play Baltimore this week. Hmm. Interesting. So if that uh, if that swings you in one way or the other, so be it. Uh, lastly, we'll talk about David Njoku. He's a top 10 option at tight end. Um, will you be starting him this week against me? Maybe. We'll see. And again, we're not. We only have we have two flex spots rather than a tight end spot, so it's not a given that I'm starting him at tight end. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Need to look over everything again. And but he's definitely in consideration. And I think I'm going to pick the Browns in this one. I think if Lamar was healthy, I'd probably go the other way. But I think it is a yeah, close one. Though. I'm. I know, and I'm considering starting the Ravens, um, based on. Well, I, I, I am going to pick the Ravens. I'm going to pick the Ravens. I think that Cleveland's just been a, a bad team since yeah. Deshaun got there, and I don't know if this is necessarily the week against a, a very good Baltimore team, yeah. which, by the way, has the same record as the 49ers. So yeah. let that sink in. True. Uh, yeah. I, I think that what's interesting with the Ravens, though, is they've put up 26 points in the last two weeks combined and won both of the games. <laughs> it's not good. No. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine Cleveland's totals are that much higher no, when you look not. at... But they didn't they win put up 10 them. last week. <laughs> yeah, 10 and 27. So That's 37 better. points over two weeks is better. I, I'll give you that. Um, all right, let's talk about the Saturday night primetime game, and that is a should be a good one. Yeah. Um, assuming we get early season Tua versus what we saw last week. Um, that's the Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Like I was alluding to, Tua looked terrible on Sunday Night Football, completing just 10 of his 28 attempts for 145 yards at the Chargers. He has been QB 17 or worse for three straight weeks. I would look elsewhere in one QB leagues. Would you agree? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's surprising. He was undrafted in a lot of fantasy leagues because people thought Mm -hmm. this kind of was his floor. And then he proved everyone wrong and what was it week two when he threw like five or six touchdowns um but yeah not not a good not a good run of form for mr tagovailoa in the last three weeks for sure so yeah i don't think that's unfair to look elsewhere 
Yeah. Um, let's talk about the running backs briefly here. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson combined for 15 carries, one reception, and 70 total yards. Uh, it's another bad matchup for this backfield. I would avoid if possible. I made my one um, trade this season, and I don't regret it, and it was getting rid of my share <laughs> completely of that backfield. I had both of them. So. Of that backfield. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they've had good weeks independently. Um but uh, this stat line, and then moving on to the Bills at the Bills, I just yeah. it's uh, it's not a good look for either of them, really. Um, Tyreek Hill knocked me out of playoff contention. This is a fun little personal oh, anecdote in my ESPN league with his bizarre fumble recovery touchdown. I don't know if you saw uh, that on social media or if you were watching, but uh, it basically turned into like a rugby scrum. Uh, on top of a fumble then the ball squirts out and Tyree Kill the fastest guy on the field scoops it up and runs around the defense and, oh and takes it all the way to the house so um if that play hadn't happened I'd be competing in my playoffs in that league oh, so that's too bad uh shout out to anyone else who had a similar thing happen to them um with Tyree Kill monitor his status he was playing through an ankle injury last week and it seems more likely than not that he'll play uh even if it is at a reduced rate and then, you know, more more personal anecdotes, but also relevant to you. Jalen Waddle has been infuriating to manage lately, uh, with weekly finishes of wide receiver 99 and 69 over his last two respective Jeez. games. <laughs> last time Miami played Buffalo, Waddle went four for six um, for 102 yards. So I'm hoping he can return to midseason form and put in a strong performance this week. Um, wide receiver ninety nine. Sorry, wide receiver ninety nine is like borderline <laughs> not playing. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it's like you, you, he got a few snaps out there, like Rudy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's not good. Um, I am inclined to still start him based on that last time they played at Buffalo. Yeah, uh, but also that, if I remember correctly, that was the game where Miami ran like an absurd amount of plays or was it the other side i can't remember i, I it was think so it, long ago. i think it was miami that ran a lot of yeah. plays i think it was yeah that might be the, that might be the case e- either way i still have to think that jalen waddle is going to figure it out i mean he was limited to an injury two weeks ago last week tua couldn't hit anyone uh with only 10 completions so I think Jalen Waddle is still a must start, yeah. and uh, it's still not that's, enough. To that's bench how I'm looking at Hill it. Hill and Waddle. I mean, it's so funny in our in our family league. That's best ball. Uh, our cousin is his first time ever playing fantasy football, and we were kind of telling him some tips with drafting. And he accidentally drafted Tyreek Hill and Waddle, which is bold to draft two from <laughs> the same team. But has yeah. that, that has really worked out for him? I would say for most of the season. Yeah, very very few teams would be would that be the case where drafting two wide receivers would be a good call. Uh, Miami is one of them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good good call on that one. Yes. Uh, let's talk about Buffalo now. Everyone on the Bills struggled in a winning effort against the Jets last week, other than Dawson Knox, who scored just his third touchdown on the season thus far. I saw that touchdown. That was that was wild. That he just like flipped around and then got over the the line. Yeah, broke the plane, exactly. Um, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs remain lineup locks. And now, I so I wrote this in. I forgot to take it out before we started, but um, I had originally Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie as boom-bust flex options, but now that Cole Beasley has come out of retirement and re-signed with Buffalo, 
there are speculations that they're going to not cut Isaiah McKenzie, but but basically swap him out for the role that of the slot yeah. um, with Cole Beasley. So I'm way less confident in uh, however confident you can be about a boom-bust flex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Gabe Davis, I think, is still worth that flex consideration. Isaiah McKenzie with the news of Cole Beasley, I think is less enticing. It probably takes away his boom upside completely, you would think. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to think that way, at least, um, because I know that Cole Beasley is very familiar with the offense yes. and has shown good chemistry with Josh Allen when he played. Yeah. Uh, lastly, let's talk about the running backs. I, I would avoid starting both, if possible. Uh, this backfield by committee has been largely inefficient and ineffective over the past three weeks. Um, Miami's like, you know, nothing special when it comes to defending the run, but I still think that the way that they've been playing, you can't, you can't trust either one. Yeah. It's hard to trust either one. You know, there was a narrative for a while this season where if the bills were in a competitive match, it looked like you uh, one running back would do well when it was mostly just Singletary's backfield, but now that it's not just mm-hmm. assumed to only be him, it's hard to bank on that and then hope it's the right person that you have that will benefit off of that game script. Yeah, so. I'm with you on that. Uh, we're both picking the Bills. I think, you know, a home game for Buffalo, it was so close uh, when they played earlier this season yeah. at Miami. Um, I think that I think Buffalo's going to get it done here. Yeah, I agree. All right. Now on to Sunday. We're talking about Pittsburgh Steelers at Carolina Panthers. Yippee. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is the only lineup lock on Pittsburgh, um, and I've been saying it for weeks now. Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens are all flex options. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, no matter who starts at quarterback, whether it be Pickett or Trubisky, both have been uninspiring, um, and I really don't think that either one getting the nod Moves the needle. Would you agree? Yeah, they're pretty. They fancy wise, they've been pretty interchangeable for their effects on the yeah. rest of the players. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to Carolina, they had that big upset win against the Seahawks last week. They rushed the ball forty-five times. Uh, Sam Darnold completed just fourteen passes, so no pass catchers thrived in their win. Uh, most notably, DJ Moore, who didn't catch a ball for the first time in his career since his uh, career debut. Wow. Chuba Hubbard, 32% of the snaps, matched Deontay Foreman on 47% of the snaps in rushing yards, with 74 on seven fewer carries. A lot of numbers in there, but basically, uh, Hubbard ran for the same amount as Foreman on seven fewer carries yeah. and found the end zone, making him the more efficient of the two in Week 14. Um, also outperformed in the passing game, going three for three for 25 yards compared to Foreman's one reception for one yard. Um, so I'll ask you, Carson, who do you prefer between Hubbard and Foreman if you have to flex one? Gosh, I guess Hubbard, because I would go with recency bias, I guess you could say. But when Foreman was really booming, Hubbard was injured. So that's kind of enough evidence to tilt me the other way, but it, it really kind of is a toss-up. Yeah, and and I feel like I'm kind of on the other side of this argument because, and and I know that's not really helpful for those listening, but I mean that's just that's just genuinely. I'm, how I'm it leaning is. towards. I know I'm leaning towards the person that's getting more snaps and more touches. Yeah. Um, the fact that Chuba was a little bit more efficient with his with his with his touches is good. Um, 
but I think if you have to pick one, I think you pick Deontay Foreman because he's proven himself a lot more as a pro um, to be that, you know, flex plus running back um, that we just really haven't seen from Chuba outside of a, a, a small handful of opportunities. Yeah, that's not unfair. We always compare it to the Cowboys' backfield, but it's not unfair. If you if Hubbard's Pollard and Foreman's Zeke, I guess you'll take Zeke if they're both healthy as a safer floor. Like, I guess. At least for yeah, how I, it was earlier this season. Yeah, I'm not sure I followed that analogy, but I but I think I think you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know. Um, it. You just don't know that you know it. Um, I'm going to pick the Steelers. Okay, I'm going to pick Carolina <laughs> in this one. <laughs> I think that's. I mean, this is one of those fifty-fifty games that it's two and a half points between the spread, um, and so yeah, I, I I certainly it could go either way. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, next one is Philadelphia Eagles at Chicago Bears. The Eagles put on a dominating performance in Week 14, and we should expect them to keep this momentum rolling into this week. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith are all lineup locks, um, and I believe we're at least one more week away um, from uh, from Dallas Goddard returning. Yes, I did see he was activated off of IR, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's playing this week. So I'm pretty sure I did see that he was activated. Just keep an eye on that. You're going to know more about that situation yeah. if we get closer to Sunday anyways, so just keep an eye on that. But if he is active, I would say you could start him. Yeah, no, I would too. I think if he's if he's expected to play, he's he's a lock it in top tight end, uh, top 10 tight end. <laughs> Agreed there. there you go. Uh, moving on to the Bears. I'm going to ask you just straight up, because this is, I think, a little bit controversial. Is Justin Fields still a top 10 option coming off his bye? He's been QB 8 or better in seven consecutive games, but I don't. they really haven't played anyone like Philadelphia this year. So yeah, what are your um, thoughts on that? I would say no. I just don't see him rushing for... Okay, let's see. For his long, his stretch of really good games, he's rushed for like at least 71 yards. Or how about, no, okay, mm-hmm. there's one. At least 60. Let's just say at least 60. I don't know if he can yeah, do that against fair. the Eagles. I don't that's know if he interesting. can. interesting. You know, the kind of the way I look at it is, although he does have a really tough schedule for this week and next week going, uh, or rather facing Buffalo at home as well in mm-hmm. week 16, I am kind of inclined to trust Justin Fields as kind of like a a Jalen Hurts light option. Um, Mm -hmm. He's not as effective passing the ball as Jalen Hurts, but, I mean, you've seen some of his big runs this year. He just looks like the fastest guy in the field at times. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, I'd start him over Watson and Tyler Huntley. How about that? Well, and those are QB2s, as we've already established. So I think he is a high-end QB2 and probably more of a low-end QB1 if you're wanting to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, optimistic with him. Yeah, I just don't know how, if you have been starting Justin Fields prior to his bye, if you could necessarily bench him for the first round of the playoffs. Yes, Um, If if you were in a position where pivoting, well, I guess he was doing so well, it wasn't really like... That yeah, I mean, he was doing better than most. Yes, um, so there you go. Like you're, like you're alluding to, but yeah, I think that um, 
I think he is still a top ten option. Um, he's just too dynamic of a player to to be limited by by Philadelphia, and we've and we've seen Philadelphia have struggles at times yeah. defending QBs that are mobile. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we land on that one. And then obviously David Montgomery is the only other lineup lock. Um, Cole Komet is a fringe tight end one consideration. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, he's been so up and down of just touchdowns, especially. Um, this season, I'm mean, yeah. having five and three across three games, and it hasn't really. I mean, a decent uh, week in week 13, getting six receptions for 72 yards. But I mean, before he learned how to find the end zone, he was not startable. So uh, if he <laughs> yeah, still has that's it fair. In him, but he's since learned. Yeah, see if he can keep it up. <laughs> All right. Well, we're both picking the Eagles in this one. No surprise there. They are nine point favorites on the road. Uh, let's talk about the next one, which is the biggest spread of the week. Although the Texans, they challenged that last week. We'll see if they do it again this yeah. week. Um, it's the Chiefs at the Texans. Um, speaking of consistency with Justin Fields, let's talk about Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'm going to skip. My, yeah, very bold to, to pick this early uh, going to the Chiefs. Yeah. I will join you. Um, but anyway, before I talk about last week, I want to talk about Mahomes season long he's finished as QB six or better in all but two weeks and has never finished lower than QB 12 this season I mean that is fantastic and no one else can say that not even Josh Allen so yeah. uh, that's that's really awesome um, that being said last week he matched his career high with three interceptions at Denver uh, I do expect a bounce back week for him, despite the fact he still finished his QB6 last week. So <laughs> <laughs> all this being said, um, he's an awesome player. Very fun to watch. Did you see that Jarek McKinnon touchdown where he was yes. running and then just kind of chucked like, the ball yes. at him? That That's like that's, shot put it. That's that X factor ability that Mahomes has. Sometimes that annoys yeah. me when, you know, especially the no look passes. If they don't pan out, that annoys me. But he does find a way to make a play happen and it is it is amazing and i feel like unless you roster him i'm sure you're noticing how good he's been for you but i feel like just in general kind of quietly is the qb2 and quietly putting up that consistency that you are highlighting i don't know i just feel like we're too focused on all these other people when mahomes just keeps getting it done so we're talking about the other people because it's like oh mahomes is mahomes yeah and i think that's that's kind of fair i mean last season he was a bit underwhelming given where he was being drafted um but this season, I think he has returned value in a in a very serious way. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the running backs now, which, by the way, I think both of them are at least flex options. Um, but Jarek McKinnon did steal the show last week. He finished as the top running back in the league with 32.4 fantasy points on just 13 touches. I know that that scares you, um, but just but just give me give me a give me a moment to explain. All right. Um, I'm not completely convinced. I'm not 100% sold that Jarek McKinnon's going to be, uh, you know, a, uh, an RB1 moving forward. Uh, but he has been a fringe RB2 for three of his past five games prior to this breakout. It, uh, two long receiving touchdowns is going to inflate anyone's numbers. Um, but he is trending in the right direction in terms of uh, taking red zone carries away from Isaiah Pacheco, whereas that was something that Pacheco was doing initially when CEH got hurt. Uh, that that trend has shifted in McKinnon's favor recently. So it seems like a bit more, uh, He, I mean, he is more established on the team as well. Uh, Andy Reid likes him and was using him 
pretty heavily in their playoff run last season. So he's got he's got a foothold on this backfield. Yeah, I'll put it that way. I think that's fair. And I mean, you're about to talk about Pacheco, or I don't know, maybe you already did those specific stats, but the matchup is what makes them both flex options, and I agree with that. Because it is difficult to pick one out of this backfield. It has been all season, even when if it seemed like there was one of CEH, we're like, no, don't trust it. But in this matchup, yeah. I think that makes some flex options. And Jared McKinnon's, I feel like, kind of had an interesting career. I remember a few well, years ago, and, and just him at the Vikings being really good with Latavius Murray as the other running back. And then he went to the 49ers and got injured before the season yeah. started when he looked like he was going to be their starter, and now he's back here. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And, and yeah, I would, I would al- almost argue... And I don't want to be disrespectful, but I, I would almost argue that McKinnon and Pacheco are both better than CEH. Yeah, um, I, I've never been convinced by CEH, and I think you all are well aware of that from both of us. Yeah, if you've been yeah if you've been listening much this season, uh, we've pretty much always been pounding the table of selling high on CEH this year. Yeah, um, but just his whole but, career, I sound like such a hater, but I've never been convinced that he could be like the <laughs> focal point of any backfield. Yeah, the soulful it's not, it's not unfair. Based on based on the eye test, it's it's not really showing out. Um, Pacheco, yeah, like I said, he was overshadowed by McKinnon last week, but he still put up respectable numbers: thirteen carries for seventy yards and three catches on three targets for twenty three yards. He runs hard. Um, yes, he does. Like I said, and he stole that number ten from Tyreek. Um, <laughs> but like I said. The matchup's fantastic. Both running backs are flex options at the very least. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey are lineup locks. There you go. All right, let's move on to the Texans. Uh, with Damian Pierce expected to miss Week 15 with oh, an ankle no. injury, there are no lineup locks on Houston. Uh, and the one player that I will mention is wide receiver Chris Moore. He stepped up big in both Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins' absence last week, catching 10 of 11 targets for 124 yards. Uh, both aforementioned wide receivers were fringe flex options when healthy. So does this breakout week for Moore change your opinion on starting a Houston pass catcher? I know that you roster yeah, Nico, Nico Collins. Collins. Uh, so give I, us some insight. I've seen Chris Moore... Uh, I think last season, early last season, him and a different player that is just he's on the roster but usually doesn't get involved. Like in the same week, both caught long touchdowns and had boom weeks. And it was oh, Philip Dorsett, maybe, maybe yeah, this season. No, I think it was early last season. I'm thinking of specifically. Yeah. I, my point is just a random point in time where I see his name pop up and have a great week. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Oh, maybe I, Chris Conley. I think it was Chris Conley. It was both. It was two Chris's. Yeah. I thought it was two Moores, yeah. but it was yeah. two Chris's. You're right. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't be the first time that he's boomed like this. So I would. That kind of makes it seem like I'm saying I would still trust uh, the other two. But like you said, they are already fringe. So this is probably enough to make them even more fringe and probably want to look somewhere else. So okay, I kind of view it the other way in that if if both if both Cooks and Collins play, I don't think there's any possibility you can start Chris Moore. Oh, no, my point um, is, I think that if okay. Cooks and Collins can play, I think they're both even more fringe, and I'm not looking to start more, regardless of... But if, if Cooks Yeah, we're and saying Collins, the same thing, though. Yes, we are. If Cooks and Collins are both inactive again, I guess Moore could be a decent play, but I think yeah, it seems it's like good... that's not going to be the situation, though. It's a good matchup. I believe that Kansas City ranks lads last against yeah. wide receivers. You know, so. you know who did well against them last week passing the ball? That's all I'll say. The Denver Donkeys, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, okay, well, I think 
where we're going to leave this. You know, we're recording on Wednesday. Um, if Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are inactive again in Week 15, look at Chris Moore as a boomer bust sleeper play. That's I think that's kind of where we're going to leave it. Yeah, that Alec Pierce, Marquise um, Goodwin range of players that we've somehow created this episode. But yes, it fits right in yeah, there. Well, I mean. We're talking about we're talking about the time of year where it's winter go home. True. So sometimes you got to swing for the fences. True. Um, like we mentioned at the beginning of the segment, we're both picking the Chiefs. Whoa. No surprise you there. You don't want to swing for the fences and go for the Texans. And by the way, I think that's, this is that's the usually biggest spread. your. I think they beat it. They outdid what their spread last week was against the Cowboys. No, last week was seventeen. Seventeen. Oh, yeah. I thought it was thirteen point five or something. Okay, still. Yeah, hope you didn't hope you didn't bet for the Cowboys to cover that one. Um, speaking of, let's move on to Cowboys at Jaguars. Lineup locks for Dallas consist of C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dalton Schultz. Any question marks there? Any uh, Schultz, disagreement? What did Schultz do? I guess well. Schultz is a tight end. the The bar is low. He is oh, a good it's, tight end. Ten targets. Yeah, I mean that's. A game, 14.7 of no touchdowns. That's what makes Schultz yeah. an elite tight end. That's really all it takes. So, fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I didn't figure you'd have issue with that. Yeah. Uh, Dak Prescott has finished as QB 11 or worse in three consecutive weeks. So, how does Dak rank for you this week? Um, at first glance, without looking too intently at stats, higher than Justin Fields? Do you think? What do you think about Ooh, that? Ooh, I wouldn't. I'd pick Fields over over Prescott. I, I think the, the rushing floor. No, I, I'm considering the matchup. I think, given how dynamic Justin Fields is, I would much prefer him over Dak Prescott. Okay. No, I thought it, Prescott's I thought it was a not close having. One. That's why I brought it up. Okay. Well, I I don't think it's as close as you think it is, yeah. but that's okay. My point is. Dak Prescott's not having to do much for Dallas to continue to win games. He's relying on the defense. He's relying on his running backs. And that's kind of where they stand. Which, by the way, Cowboys uh, signed uh, T.Y. Hilton. Did you see that news? I did. Yeah, that is interesting. I I don't think it really has any impact for fantasy purposes. Not really. Uh, But kind of a neat story for him he's never won a super bowl if the cowboys make it all the way that would be awesome for him um but yeah i think uh dak prescott's outside of my top 10 this week and i think that that's um that's just kind of the way i feel i just feel like a lot of people probably oh that's actually funny because the person in our main league that has dak i believe also has justin field so that's funny that i made that comparison mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think i think that would be kind of a little bit of a tough call but i think in a lot of circumstances you might not, not have me. a better option as it goes yeah. as, as it always goes but um yeah it's fringe i think that's fair okay uh let's talk about the jaguars now trevor lawrence put up a monster performance in week 14 finishing as the qb1 30 completions 42 pass attempts 368 yards three touchdowns and also three rushes for seven yards and an additional score on the ground. Uh, Lawrence has finished as QB8 or better in three of his last four games. Here's the bad news. Dallas is second in the NFL in sacks, only behind Philadelphia. So Lawrence and his team have their work cut out for them. I'll ask you, this is kind of the theme of the episode, is Lawrence a top 10 option this week in spite of the matchup? Can I, like, I kind of wanted to 
turn it back on you, because uh, Lawrence or Prescott, who would you start? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, that's basically the question. Yeah, so, well, okay, so based on last three games, with with Prescott being worse, QB 11 or worse, and Lawrence being QB 8 or better, yeah. I would lean towards Trevor Lawrence. He's he's having to do it more, especially with how Travis Etienne has been struggling. No I think that they're, they're having to lean on Trevor Lawrence a lot more lately. And if this game is going to be competitive, it's a four-and-a-half-point spread. I do expect it to be competitive. If, if the Houston Texans can put up a fight against Dallas, certainly the Jaguars can that took down Tennessee last week. I know that this is yeah. – we're kind of creating a Frankenstein amalgamation of all these games being put together to, for analysis. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence has been hot lately, and Dak Prescott has not – in lately, so I'm, I'm leaning towards Lawrence and despite hey, the matchup. Jag- the Jaguars need this win way more than the Cowboys do, so I doubt they'll be afraid to sling it. How about that? How- I think that's something to consider. Okay, so where do you fall on that? Are you are you picking cons- Lawrence or I've Prescott? I've probably convinced myself Lawrence after what I just said, I guess. I mean, he, he was the QB1 in Week 14, so it's hard to... And yeah. I know it's a really difficult matchup, but it's just hard to turn around and be like, alright, well, have fun on the bench. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, I think that's I think that's smart to look at that. Um, let's let's go back to to Travis Etienne. He continues <sighs> no. his slump. Um, <laughs> I know you roster him in case yeah. in case the listeners didn't know. Um, after looking like one of the most dangerously efficient running backs in the league, um, he has been held under eleven fantasy points for four consecutive games. So how does Etienne rank for you this week? Is he is he still a... I think he's at least a flex. Does he still make your roster? I think he does. Yeah. I think he does. I mean, that stretch that you're talking about before the slump where he was amazing, I mean, this is yards per carry. 7.1, 8.6, 8.14, 6.5, uh, 3.89. That's not that great. It's fine, but uh, he boomed that week too. And then the last three weeks, it's been 1.5. Ouch. He barely played it all that mm-hmm. game, to be fair. 4.15, yeah. that's fine. And then last week, 1.88, 17 carries for 32 yards. Like, how do you go yeah. from one of the most efficient rushers in the league to extremely inefficient? I don't know. I think it, mm-hmm. I still believe in him enough to start, though. Yeah, something must have happened over the bye week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think he is still a flex consideration. I don't think it's that. Uh, I mean, it's, it hasn't been good. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he's still a flex consideration given the volume. And you know, if, (laughs) if Trevor Lawrence goes up to the coach and says, Hey coach, remember whenever ETN and I played on Clemson, I used to pass the ball to him. We should do that. Some, (laughs) um, that would help him tremendously. Hasn't had more than three receptions in the game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So let's talk next about the pass catchers. Uh, Zay Jones has a game where he finished as wide receiver 75, sandwiched by two top eight finishes, uh, averaging 11 targets and seven receptions per game over his last three. What's your confidence level in Zay Jones against Dallas? I think I'm more pessimistic with him than I am with Lawrence. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm more inclined... Talk about Kirk, because I kind of want to just talk about them together if I'm going to do this. So okay. tell me about We'll Kirk. talk about Kirk. 
Kirk is the inverse of this. Um, he's been much worse by comparison over that same span. Uh, one game where he finished as wide receiver 18, sandwiched by two games outside the top 40. Um, so now that I've said that, <laughs> what are we adding? Yeah, so it seems like they have had uh, inversely correlated performances over the past three weeks. And I think season long, you'd want to trust Kirk more. You you would trust Kirk more. So, my oh, gosh. That's, that's a yeah, tough but what one. Yeah, but what about... But what about what have you done for me lately? Yeah, I know. But sometimes I care about that. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> it kind of depends on the position. and uh, uh, I, It's difficult. Tell, tell me what you think. Because it's difficult to see them pivot <laughs> back and forth. And then a tough matchup. It, it almost starts to feel like a toss-up. Which is difficult to deal with whenever one of them was like a wide receiver one to start the season and then the other one yeah so so let's let's look at it let's look at it this way we've we've talked about how zay jones averaging 11 targets over his last three games let's look at christian kirk's numbers over the last three games nine eight and seven targets that's all good it's fine um yeah so i really think both are startable um like we've alluded to, I think we're going to see Jacksonville continue to throw and and not be able to rely heavily on Travis Etienne to get their points. So I think they're both uh, flex considerations. Uh, but I am I am lower on Kirk, not not relative to Jones, just based on that season long yeah. comparison. But recently, Zay Jones looks like the better option between the two. The numbers support that. And, uh, I, but I think they're both starting. Yeah. Uh, let's just Ingram. Ingram is the biggest boom <laughs> on the team, I guess, last yeah. week. Yes, last but not least, Evan Ingram put up a ridiculous 39.2 point performance in week 14, which likely won or lost you your matchup single handedly, depending on which side you were on. Ingram now has back-to-back finishes inside the top four at tight end with a combined stat line of 16 catches on 22 targets for 192 yards and three touchdowns. Is Evan Ingram a lineup lock? Lineup lock sounds strong, but I think unless you have he's that, He's tight end four on know, the season. I know, I know, but it, honestly, it, him having that one game probably gets him in the top ten of tight ends just automatically. <laughs> it does. And that's, it probably does. Um, I think unless you have an elite tight end, of course— like I'd be less mm-hmm. confident to feel like I need to force him into my flex, but if you don't have that elite tight end, I don't see how he well, doesn't go into that. Yeah, slot. I'm I'm pretty much I'm pretty much never advocating for flexing a tight that, end. That's what um, I mean. But like if you okay, but let's let's just say for the sake of argument, you have Kelsey yeah. or someone that you're definitely starting. Oh, okay, would well, you put you have Ingram Kelsey at flex? That's my question. Would you put no. Ingram at flex? No. I, okay. Who who's your who? I mean, well, t- it depends yeah, on okay. who you have, of course. Yes, but. Yes, I mean, if you're completely decimated at running back and about, wide receiver, then yeah, maybe. Evan Ingram versus Donovan Peoples-Jones? I would pick DPJ. Okay, I don't think that's unfair. I would. I would. Um, I'm focusing on kind no, of a I'm, unique situation. I think that if you don't have a really good tight end, you're certainly Ingram, so there you go. Okay, and I think that's fair. Um, I, the three games prior to this breakout two-week span... Mm-hmm. Tight end 51, tight end 26, tight end 38. Those are all terrible. Yes. Um, so this is not... Uh, him calling him a, calling him a lineup lock is a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, but 
you would hate to you would hate to have thirty nine point two staring at you on the bench. Yes, you would. Uh, I'm going a little bold and picking the Jaguars in this one. Yeah, I I'm gonna pick Dallas. Um, I need I need to make up wins and picking against Jacksonville burned me last week. I'm hoping it doesn't do it again this week. I uh, Dallas is a ten win team. I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna get it done. Yeah. Not unfair. All right, I'll take over here. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I said last week about about Minnesota. So yeah, um, just having true. flashbacks. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Too late to switch now. Uh, Falcons at Saints. <laughs> uh, both of these teams were on by in Week 14, and this is a divisional matchup in a really fun division. Um, the Falcons. Oh, yeah. So Desmond Ritter is set to make his debut in Week 15. So that could be interesting. Drake London tied his career high in targets in Week 13 with 12 targets. This amounted him to having a career high in receiving yards at 95, so that's great. But all that is to say, and I'll see if you agree, I wouldn't want to have to bank on Ritter's debut performance in my fantasy playoffs for London's performance, but I think he probably still is a flex. Maybe? But he's more fringe. Yeah. If if there wasn't a QB change, I think I could say, okay, I think he's a pretty safe flex. But now that there's a QB change, that might be enough doubt. I actually feel the opposite. I think that the fact that Desmond Ritter is coming into play gives me more confidence about Drake London because we've seen how Drake London has been basically just completely forgotten in this offensive scheme. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that Desmond Ritter, who was a pretty highly uh, recruited player yes. coming into college and a valuable player coming into this season's draft, I think Desmond Ritter provides upside for drake london i mean if you're having to flex drake london you're in a bad position and it's probably fortunate that you even made the playoffs yeah um but if that is the case that you find yourself in i feel like desmond ritter being the starter uh can only help drake london i don't think it can hurt him i agree i think i do think that ritter is an upgrade i just wish it happened earlier in the season because banking on his debut and 100 percent that's what makes me worry about it just, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I was saying it. I mean, think think about how long ago I said how how long is it going to take for Atlanta to yeah. give Desmond Ritter a it's, chance? And it, oh yeah, it, what it ended up taking was what it ended up taking was an injury to Marcus Mariota. Yeah. So I don't know what I don't know what they're doing there. Um, a five and eight team that just doesn't look any bit yeah. that good. Should have gone for Kareem Hunt on deadline day. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Cordero Patterson's best fantasy game without a touchdown was in week 12 where he got 10.1 points. Better options elsewhere? Question mark. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Um, Cordero Patterson has been disappointing since he returned from IR. And, I mean, outside of that one game back where he played 39% of the snaps and got in the end zone twice. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a team that is run heavy and yet their lead running back is uh, not not used very much so yeah he's had 10 carries 11 carries 11 carries and five carries over his last four games not in any particular order but um not a lot of volume so he's touchdown dependent yeah, let's talk about another running lead running back who surprisingly had some troubles, and that's Alvin Kamara on the Saints, who's averaged 8.46 fantasy points in weeks 9 through 13. Ouch. But I'll ask you, is the ceiling too high to bench him? Because in weeks 5 through 8, although we have evidence from this from previous seasons, he averaged 25.53 fantasy points. So uh, I think you can't bench him, but it's been a rough stretch of games. Would you agree with not being able to bench him? 
No, it most certainly has. Um, yeah, in that five five through eight span, he did have some some really fantastic finishes with uh, with very few touchdowns. By the way, so um, I mean Alvin Kamara. I mean the real previously has had the a floor of like the high teens in fantasy points average. How about yeah, that? maybe he, not floor. Here here's the here's the absolute worst part of it is that in week one when they last played the Falcons. Mm. Kamara had his worst performance of the season. <laughs> so that doesn't give me any hope. Um, I, I do agree with you. I think his ceiling is too high to bench him, but he just hasn't been the player that you drafted. Yeah. And, and you even got him at a discount because of the potential suspension. Yeah, definitely, especially depending on when you drafted. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, Alvin Kamara is too talented to bench, and... You probably don't have two better running backs ahead of him because, at the very least, he's a flex. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Chris Olave hasn't really boomed in a while, but he is Mr. Reliable, as we have said, week in, week out. Um, this is kind of a tough one to pick. I guess I'll go with the Saints. Thanking against yeah, uh, Ritter in his debut. Yeah, I- I'm going to join you. I think, I think if anything... Um, uh, just, I, I don't know what to expect from Desmond Ritter in the NFL, and that's kind of what I'm. Uh, we know Andy Dalton's the starter. Uh, the coach refuses to give Jameis Winston yeah. another chance. That's been one of the weirdest quarterback controversies of the season, in my opinion. I agree. Um, but yeah, um, let's uh, let's go with the Saints. <laughs> yeah, All right, I'll move on to Lions at Jets. A close spread in this one. Jets one point favorite. Both the Lions, even though the Lions were allegedly the favorites going into the game last week against the Vikings, they surprisingly defeated them. Um, yeah, the Lions had four pass catchers with double-digit fantasy scores. Jared Goff throwing for 330 passing yards and three passing touchdowns helped make this happen. Uh, Jamison Williams was wide open on his touchdown catch. I don't even know if he ended up with double-digit points. He was just another person. That, he did. Okay, he did. So he, he is one of those yeah, four. Yeah, like 11. Um, and then who else? Uh, Chark, Reynolds, and then mm-hmm. of course Amon Ra. Are you looking to start anyone besides Amon Ra still, even after that game? I mean, did Saint Brown? Oh, he did get double digits. Okay, yeah. For some reason, I thought he really did bad. Um, yeah, I do like Chark. Um, although this matchup is not one that I'm really yeah. thrilled about starting DJ Chark. Um. The Jets have a very solid pass rush and a very solid secondary. Um, And I think this is a game that we could easily see um, Jared Goff have some goofball interceptions. and Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm just just not really convinced that, that the Jets won't win this one at home. So... Um, I am going to go ahead and pick the New York Jets, and I'm going to say that Amon Ross St. Brown is your only uh, lineup lock on the team. I mean, do you feel differently about the running backs at all? Yeah, I'll just talk about them right now because I don't think you can confidently start – what's his name? The running back keeps on getting touchdowns. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. I wanted to say Jameson, but that's just his teammate. So, yeah, I don't think you can start Jamal Williams with Swift being active. He's just too touchdown dependent, and even then it's, like, not that high of a boom unless he gets multiple. And then, as you're alluding to, 
even in a productive offensive day for the Lions, DeAndre Swift saw nine touches for 39 total yards, and he played 36% of snaps compared to 51% in Week 13, where it looked like mm-hmm. he was trending in the right direction. It's a step direction. in the wrong direction. So what do you do yeah. if you roster Swift? No, I mean, I, 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 think, you're, I think you're on the right track. I mean, I, 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 I'm inclined to still flex him because yeah. of that upside. Yeah. But it's a it's a kind of you know you you grit your teeth you 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 avert your eyes and you pl- <laughs> and you press submit on the lineup screen. Yeah, with Swift, um, I don't think that's unfair. Yeah, so I kind of view him similarly to Alvin Kamara, but in a much smaller snap percentage. Yeah, um, it's just it's it's a tough look. I mean, I'm picking the Jets, so I'm not yeah. high on many of the lines. All right, so let's talk about the Jets and. I might end up picking them. I'll put I'll put a placeholder for now. We'll see if I convince myself out of it after reading <laughs> these stats. Don't know why that would happen, but even though Michael Carter was yeah. active, Zonovan Knight led the team in fantasy points in Week 14. Knight had 71 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown and 17 carries, while also adding two receptions for six receiving yards. Does this make you comfortable starting Knight rest of the season? Um, let me look at their schedule. I think that's so. Fair. Playing Detroit. I'm okay with starting him there, although Detroit has been pretty good about defending running backs. Yeah, I think they just they give up a lot through the air. Jacksonville and Seattle are both plus matchups for running backs, so yeah, I'm good with Knight the rest of the way. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, who would have thought? You would have you would have thought that Michael Carter coming back would have kind of uh, put Knight in the background, and then. Uh, who no, I think I think whenever they saw I think whenever they saw Knight get some actual run in game, yeah. he impressed everyone. So yeah. it would honestly be pretty foolish, um, especially with a team with a winning record, to go back to a less efficient running back. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Mike White was in and out of the game with separate rib injuries, so monitor that situation. I believe that Joe mm-hmm. Flacco is the one who came in for him for the few snaps that he wasn't there, and not Zach Wilson. Yeah. So that probably yeah. means Wilson's Zach Wilson's done for. <laughs> Um, at least this season good. on this team. Yeah, we love him. Uh, Garrett Wilson, unsurprisingly, had a good day with six receptions for 78 yards. He's legit if he doesn't have Zach Wilson there, and that's not his fault, as we keep on saying. Um, but kind of more of the potential news, in my opinion, is Elijah Moore also having six receptions while playing 82% of snaps, which is very high for him this season. So do you think this is news or noise for Elijah Moore? Uh I think it's mostly noise. Um, last week he was wide receiver seventy three. Uh, sorry, week, week 13. thirteen. The week yeah. prior, yeah, the week prior he was outside of the top seventy two. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he was really bad. Um, yeah. And I guess he's for had. Me, sorry, I think it just has the potential of being news because of it's kind of not been his performances that seem to have been limiting his fantasy production this season it seems to be something behind the scenes so like we know he has the talent that's why i think it could be a little bit more well yeah but even with even with games where he's playing mid 80 to 90 percent of the snaps he hasn't shown us a lot this year so i'm not convinced um and i'm certainly not looking to play to play him in my fantasy playoffs so that's not fair uh, I'm 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 calling noise on DJ Moore. Okay. Or well, sorry on on, uh, on Elijah Moore as well. Yeah. DJ Moore is 
he he's caught a stray. Gone. He's gone. He did catch a stray. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not dissuade myself. I'm, I think we're both going to pick the Jets in this one in a close spread. All right. Move on to Sunday afternoon, Cardinals at Broncos. So, unfortunately for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray tore his ACL. Um, very disappointing. We mentioned that earlier in this yeah. episode. Um, tough for them. Already tough season. And that just, I mean, I don't think they really had oh, much yeah. hopes of the playoffs. But it's It's been a historically terrible season for yeah. Arizona with for injuries. Um, Rondell Moore and stuff on the offensive line and uh uh, just just they're just racking up the injuries this season so i I expect them uh, to bounce back next season nfl wise i I think that there might be some concern of kyle murray being 100 percent by week one with the timing of this but yes no i would i would agree with that and i think also with it being an acl and his style of play i think it's going to be more it's going to be more limiting than i think people might be initially thinking because I mean, think about think about when we see running backs yeah, with an ACL injury, like Saquon Barkley. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that first season back from the injury, they're not quite the player that they were. And Kyler Murray is so quick and shifty, and he's going to have to do a lot of rehab in the off season to to get back to the the player that he was prior to this injury. I think it might be one year removed where next year I might be fading him in drafts. I mean, he's still, yes, it's his it's his rushing upside that makes him a good fantasy option, usually, um, at least for his career it has been that way. But he's still a solid mm-hmm. passer, so if he can just really improve that, then maybe he can really make a comeback in the next few seasons uh i think you yeah know, but you you about... know you know you know as well as i that when you watch the cardinals play it's watching the toddler run left and right <laughs> all around true. the field that is true so it just makes plays happen but you know yeah they'll have they should have deandre hopkins and marquise brown and ronda Moore all healthy and that's been rare um this season and as we see mm-hmm. ronda Moore out for the rest of the season placed on ir um, yep. I, this makes you know the reemergence of Greg Dortch possible, but he played in five percent of snaps in Week 14 when Moore was inactive. So I'm more inclined to think that it's just going to be Hopkins and Marquise Brown that will likely have most of the production, fantasy wise, and nobody else. Pass yeah, that kind of surprises me. It does surprise me that Robbie Anderson got more run yeah. last week uh, with Moore's inactive, um, but. I don't know. I I would say this. Take a look at what your platform is projecting for Greg Dortch and into consideration. Yeah. Um, because I'm just not convinced that that uh, Robbie Anderson is going to take that role away from Greg Dortch. Yeah, but it's just more about do you really want the third best pass catcher with Colt McCoy as the quarterback? I don't know. That's a fair point. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on him. He's probably back on the waivers, and he had proven to be really good early on the season with injuries and suspensions opening yeah, the door for yeah. him. But it was with Kyler, so I guess that kind of kind of remembered that. Um, James Conner mm-hmm. has had a top five RB performance in three of his last four games. Uh, touchdowns help make this happen for Connor, of course, as we know. But this is great timing for fantasy ma- managers that roster Connor going into the fantasy playoffs. Yes, yeah, he was a. I got to pat myself on the back. He was one of the players I talked about buying low yeah. earlier this season. Um, we knew he was capable of it. It was just a matter of time. So, um, yeah, hopefully you you pulled the trigger on that. Yeah, 
All right, I'll move on to the Broncos, which in a Russell Wilson in a game where Russell Wilson got injured and a loss, I have some positives actually. Uh, so whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Russell Wilson threw three passing touchdowns and a losing effort to the Chiefs. Kind of a late comeback effort from the Broncos. Scored some points. Yeah. I can't believe it. Um, monitor Wilson's injury status as he might have suffered a concussion, is what I'm seeing, which forced him out of the game. Yeah. Uh, backup QB Brett Rippian came into the game and threw one short passing touchdown as well as an interception. So didn't look amazing, but it's not like Russell Wilson has either. So I don't even know how much of a downgrade he is, but the bar is low this season. Um, in the absence of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy had a monster day, having eight receptions for 73 yards and a hat trick of receiving touchdowns three of them mm-hmm. um yeah I, I would say the backfield was still unimpressive and i'm not looking to start anyone but do you think there's some hope for the broncos passing offense rest of the season so basically sutton judy maybe dolchich regardless of wilson being healthy or does it matter so okay I will I will advocate for Greg Dulcich this week against Arizona. They're one of the worst teams uh, defending tight ends. All right. um, we watched uh, Hunter Henry have a very respectable day against them on Monday Night Football. So Greg Dulcich, who has looked a lot more explosive, a lot more talented than Hunter Henry this season um, in, the, in the limited amount of time that we've seen him play, I still think that he is a good option at tight end. Um, for the pass catchers... <sighs> I can't bench Jerry Judy after what he did yeah. last week, um, but Cortland Sutton is certainly on the fringe uh, for flex consideration, especially if Wilson doesn't play. Um, I think I really do think, despite how bad Russell Wilson has been this year, uh, Brett Rippon is still a pretty significant downgrade in my opinion. Yeah. And so, well, if Russell Sutton plays, Wilson... he's a fringe flex. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Go ahead. I was just going to say that Wilson kind of looked like Wilson with his stat line. I mean, uh, throwing yeah. three passing touchdowns. He has he had done that all season. How about that? Yeah. All season. Only 23 completions and 247. That was a fun way of saying it. Passing yards, so it's not like a ton. But efficiency, and that's what you want out of a good QB. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the most important thing to monitor this week, and it's ironic because we've been bashing him all season, but monitor Russell Wilson's injury status. Yeah. Um, if he's playing, I think Jerry Judy has to be in your lineup somehow. Yes. And uh, also Greg Dulcich and Cortland Sutton, I can be convinced to bench him. I mean, he has not been good lately. So yeah. uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he caught a touchdown this week, but... I... <sighs> I don't know. I mean, Maybe three of them. If, that might be surprising. <laughs> that would be surprising. I'm picking the Broncos, uh, Blake. I'm picking the Broncos. You are picking, you are picking Denver. Um, see, Arizona's just been so bad, too. This is a game that I'm not looking forward to watching. Um, gosh. And it's at home for Denver. They got pride <laughs> that they're playing for. They, they, they can't. They can't tank because their first-round pick, I believe, goes to the Seahawks. So they have no incentive to not be going for it, in my No, eyes. yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe Wilson thought that they still had their draft picks. Oh, yeah. He was, he was just so, trying to help uh, no. out Pete. Pete Carroll. He's like, yeah, yeah. He, he felt bad how he left, so he's like, at least I'll make that pick value before you. I, I like that conspiracy. I like yeah, that's that. fun. All right. um, <laughs> I'm going to join you on the Broncos with this one. I can't Why believe not? it. Who would have thought? All right, next one. Patriots at Raiders. 
So if the Patriots monitor Ramondre Stevenson's ankle injury, which forced him out of his game in Week 14, uh, Damian Harris was already inactive in Week 14, so uh, basically it allowed for two Patriots running backs to have decent fantasy days thanks to touchdowns. Pierre Strong, five carries for 70 yards. It's like Rashad Penny efficiency and a touchdown. And then Kevin Harris, I don't think any relation to Damian, but that would be fun if that was true, had eight carries for 26 yards and a rushing touchdown, but... How about this? Jacoby Myers has been dealing with injuries and has kind of fallen out of consistency to really be an option, but he would be the pass catcher option out of the Patriots if you had to start one, but that's yeah. not saying a whole lot. So it's really only the backfield. If Ramondre Stevens active, you're obviously starting him, but I'm not starting Strong or Harris. It's Kevin Harris, that is, personally. Yeah. But if Damian Harris is active and Stevenson is inactive, a lot of conditions here. Would you be yeah. somewhat comf- comfortable starting Damian Harris? Comfortable is flex. Kind of a kind of a strong word. Could yeah, I think you him? could flex him. I think you could. Um, I think it will resemble more of a committee based on how we've seen those two rookies perform. Uh, but actually, let me double check. I, I know resident Patriots fan here, but I don't know for sure. I know Pierre Strong's a rookie from this season. I'm not sure if kevin harris is Pierre Strong, um, yeah he's a rookie okay all right i should have believed in myself he is a rookie um okay that being said yeah i think if damian harris is the lead back with ramondre stevenson inactive like you said um i think it's going to be harris for the most part but i think that <laughs> those rookies are going to find that they're going to find their way into they're going to find their way into that that backfield and so i think it'll be more of a committee approach um, the the traditional Patriots approach. So, and to be yeah. fair, what has Andy kept Flexen, Yeah, yeah. And what to, I want to no. What has kept Ramondre Stevenson so consistent has been his PPR value, and he's just borderline mm-hmm. a wide receiver for them. Um, yeah. So I don't know if the other running backs can replicate that. So that doesn't make you feel as good necessarily. So no, I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. All right. So keep an eye on that situation because if Stevenson's healthy, he might be the only fantasy worthy starter on the team um move on to the raiders Derek carr had a horrific day with 11 completions for 137 yards and two interceptions last thursday night football Uh, this unsurprisingly hurt raiders pass catchers so i won't really talk about their performances (laughs) and darren waller and hunter renfro have been designated to return from ir uh i guess news or noise i mean you're looking to i would say maybe waller because he's the tight end and probably not renfro in his in his first game back yeah not great yeah we just no you're you're absolutely right and and waller has not been exactly uh impressive this season he's got two finishes inside the top 10 and two finishes outside the top 20 darren waller or evan ingram um evan ingram all right yeah yeah Yeah, i mean we've seen it we've seen it from him more recently (laughs) and he's got a better quarterback yes uh wow i i don't disagree yeah i mean we could be wrong but i think that that's kind of it's kind of where the the situation you might be dealing with yeah very realistic meanwhile the raiders are running josh jacobs into the ground but still working out really well for him 27 carries they're, for 99 they're yards getting every touchdown. they're getting their money's worth for his expiring contract that's what yeah, it is so i mean he had over 
50 carries in less than a week because he did that hit like 26 on a Sunday and then 27 on a Thursday. I mean, he's running. He's running hard. Uh, something to note, though, I mean, this isn't going to make you bench him, of course, but the Raiders' schedule for no. weeks 15 through 17 is uh, home to New England at Steelers, home to San Francisco. So you don't like week 15 and 17 really uh, as a matchup for him. But Yeah, no, it, it's it's one good matchup sandwiched between two bad ones. Yeah. Um, and it looks like you're picking the Patriots? I'm I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. Um and I'm remembering I you know, I don't like the Patriots without Ramontre Stevenson, but I'm remembering that the Raiders lost to the Rams last week. So <laughs> That's very true. I don't yeah, I was hoping that you would uh that you would overlook that. I mean Patriots are one point favorites on the road here. This could certainly go either way, but uh, New England's defense looked really, really good against Arizona uh, yeah. on Monday night, and Derek Carr has not been very good, so I'm yeah. kind of banking on that. And that's also the difference with Belichick. Like, them losing Stevenson, like, fantasy-wise, that hurts a lot, but Bill is going to make that backfield just as productive, whether it takes three people or he finds the hot hand. Like, he'll just get it done NFL-wise. That's just kind of mm-hmm. how it happens with him. Yeah, that's that's how good coaches get things done. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to Titans, my favorite team, at Chargers. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Chargers, haha, <laughs> even though it's only a three-point spread. I should just, like, go in before we even record this and pick whoever's up against yeah. the Titans. Um, yeah, you, you you consistently like to say that if it were up to you, you would have predicted the Titans go 0-17. Yeah. So. And I don't, uh, you know, I hate a lot, but it is actually, there's stuff to talk about besides Derrick Henry, even if it's not a ton, but it, there is stuff. So start Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Be, consider starting Traylon Burks if he's healthy. Uh, still in the concussion protocol as of today, Wednesday, when we were recording this. But he has found mm-hmm. some consistency and become a little bit reliable since he's come back from IR. So I think he's a fairly strong flex play potentially um i don't think that chargers defense is that good against the pass from just what i think <laughs> just don't think they are <laughs> i don't have any stat yeah, for that i just feel like that's true no yeah that, that's 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 reasonable okay um the the chargers are definitely worse at defending running backs um but uh chargers they've, are kind of middle in the pack they've been injury struck in to say the least that's for sure i mean yeah. they they got i mean they got they got nothing on arizona but they they have had a bad they have had a tough year like khalil max on that team right am i remembering that still right? yes yeah. yes and uh your boy who used to be a patriot what, what's his name the cornerback <laughs> jc jackson jc jackson uh yeah so this should be a better defense i think this is a team that's really gonna bounce back next season but alas i digress tight end on the titans uh here we go Chigo ZM Okonkwo, pretty good, maybe. Had six receptions for 45 <laughs> yards and a touchdown. And I, it's not just one game. Blake played him DFS because he saw week 13. Four receptions for 68 yards for him. So, Oh, hang on a sec, hang on a sec. Maybe when we were talking about J.C. Jackson, what did you say about him? Uh, I don't know. I just said this defense could be good next season. I don't know if I said anything about oh, J.C. Jackson specifically. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he's, been, he's been injured for a while. Yes, I did, did think he was injured. I don't think. Okay. I, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's Sorry, been, I didn't mean to derail you. No, it's fine it, because that that has hurt this team, and it is relevant um, to put that perspective mm-hmm. whenever you're thinking about them next season and how right. good they could be. I mean, that, just offensive yeah, too. Yeah, it's relevant, and it's relevant to wide receiver DB matchups. Yes. So, all good. Um, so news or noise with Okonkwo? I like him. Um, 
he has been a player that has recently come on, especially in a team that's generally devoid of pass-catching talent. Um, no disrespect to Traylon Burks, of course, but it, just a team that hasn't had that you know, consistent pass-catching option. Okonkwo is a player that is starting to come on, and I, I'm convinced he's a, ty- he's a rookie. He is. Um, <laughs> he, he's been playing really well. Um, now, granted, the bar is low for tight ends, yeah. but you know, over 100 receiving yards combined over his last two games and 10 catches over his last two games combined, those are good stats. I mean, that's, that's borderline 10 points a game. Yeah. He's found the end zone once. That's a good development. Caught a two-point conversion last week. Um, so these are all positive signs. I, I like him. I think if you need a sleeper a sleeper tight end, he is a good option. I'm going to give you his roster percentage really quick, and then we can move on. It is 19% in sleeper. There you go. Pick him up. I will say something that's interesting, though, is that Austin Hooper, also a tight end on the team, had a decent day with five receptions for 68 yards. So uh, it's like maybe it was tight end day for them. Uh, but seeing that Okonkwo did decent in week 13 makes me feel pretty good about him too all right we'll move on to the chargers uh really the the headline is first game all season for keenan allen and mike williams both started and finished the game and it showed it only took 14 weeks to happen yeah i can't believe it justin herbert (laughs) threw for 367 passing yards only one passing touchdown but i mean that volume is insane and that is his ceiling to just know he can just sling it um so you're confidently starting eckler allen williams and herbert so uh, what even is their record? Let's see. Seven and six. They are so seven and six. Yep. They could be getting healthy right at the right time. Yeah. I mean, the AFC is going to be tough to get out of um, with the with the top dogs that are ahead of them, but the Chargers could certainly make a push. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to Bengals at Buccaneers. Uh, with the Bengals, Joe Mixon played his first game since week 11, and he had 14 carries for 96 rushing yards and two receptions for 10 receiving yards. Uh, didn't have Sam J. P. Ryan days like he did in the past two weeks, P. Ryan did. Um, but, you know, Mixon's Mixon, and you're going to start him, and it's good to see that he's back and healthy. Um, Blake was telling me a little bit more about the usage of T. Higgins. Um, but injury troubles, we'll say, Higgins and Boyd played very little. And if you were hoping for any other receiver to step up, like Mike Michael Thomas, I believe he's on the team. Not that Michael Thomas, but the other one. Uh, nobody did, because J- Jamar Chase had 10 receptions for 119 yards, and I touched on, on 15 targets. And Yeah, I mean, that's that's not entirely fair, because a couple a couple did receive uh, some touchdowns. There was uh, Steve Irwin's great-grandson, Trenton Irwin. <laughs> I don't think there's any relation. I'm just joking. Um, but it was like two receptions, Steve. right? Two or three? Yeah, two catches for fifty-eight yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I just wanted—I I wanted to put it out there that someone else caught a touchdown. It wasn't just—it yeah. wasn't just Jamar Chase, but yes, Jamar Chase played great. Yeah, uh, I think there's a greater likelihood that he's Steve Irwin's grandchild than him making my starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Hayden Hurst was That's also fair. inactive, so it just shows if if Chase is there, he's being targeted with every pass. Not literally, but yeah. fifteen targets is a lot. Um, yeah, I mean if Higgins <laughs> is healthy genuinely you're starting him you're starting chase Hurst. i don't really think that makes that tight end coming off coming off of an injury hayden hurst is already considered unlikely to play this week based on zach taylor's reporting which is the head coach um and tyler boyd with a dislocated finger is expected to miss at least this week yeah 
So start mixing Higgins, Chase, Burrow. There you go. Buccaneers. Yeah. yeah. Tom Brady led the team in fantasy points with 12.1. That That's low to lead a team, by the way. Mm-hmm. And a 7-35 to loss to the 49ers in Week 14 when we both picked the Buccaneers to win as the underdogs. I, when I was, <laughs> yes, when I was going through my notes, well, and the funny thing is that they, were, they kept repeating this stat of Tom Brady is undefeated against the number one scoring defense week five or later in his career and it's like okay what a cherry pick stat for one yeah but for two come on i mean i'm honestly when i went through the notes to make these uh these the week 15 notes i was shocked that we that i picked the buccaneers for that game it it was Um, it was the whole brady versus mr irrelevant thing that swung us over I, that and the fact that Brady did come from behind and pull one out in week yes. thirteen—that was yes. that was part of it too. Um, but yeah, no, that was a that was a really bad call. And uh, hopefully, you didn't you didn't gamble any money on that on that prediction. Because yeah, we're that not was giving horrible. we're not giving gambling advice for these predictions. Just want to make that clear. Fifteen weeks into the season, that's very true. Add that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That, I'm sure that'll cover our bets. Yeah. Uh, Rashad White played in 53% of snaps, while Leonard Fournette played in 47%. That makes this backfield fun to manage, as we have said for the past few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Godwin seems to be the better option over Evans if you're wanting to talk about pass catchers. Again, I don't think there's a lot of great stats to pull from this game. Blake might want to share off the class that he was talking to me before we started recording that Mike Williams <laughs> might be benchable. I don't think that's absolutely absurd. What did I say? Williams. Oh, no, Mike Williams. Mike Williams definitely starting. Mike Evans benchable. Yeah, I don't think it's absolutely absurd, but I just don't know if I could bring myself to do it if I had him. Yeah, this is playoffs that we're he, talking about. So his his last three weeks in descending order: wide receiver fifty, wide receiver forty three, wide receiver seventy five. If you're making a strong case for him being in your in your flex, I don't see how you can justify that. Those were all relatively positive matchups uh, against wide receivers. So, I, <laughs> he's just not getting it done. The, the only thing, the only thing that you can convince me uh, for starting him is that two of those last three games he's gotten nine targets, uh, but they've yeah. just been so inefficient. Um, so, I, I would put it this way: based on how he's performed, if you are in a must-win situation, you're going to really have to th- look hard at your lineup and say, "Okay, who provides me the most upside." And usually the answer is going to be Mike Evans, but yeah. lately his floor has been brutal. That that's my point. I don't think that's unfair. Uh, I'll pick the Bengals, I guess. Yeah, me too. Disappointing um, season for the Buccaneers for sure. And they could still yeah, be easily it is. in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they won this game. Um, I'll just I'll just put that out there. Yeah, We should say that but for every pick we do. <laughs> Move yeah, and you know what? If it goes the other way, so be it. <laughs> Move on to Sunday Night Football. Giants at Yeah, the, the most recent tie in the NFL. Let's go. Yes, divisional matchup uh, with the Giants. Just when we thought Darius Slayton was going to be the Giants wide receiver to roster, which might not be saying a whole lot, uh, Richie James yeah. had seven receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown on nine targets and a season-high snap percentage of 91%. Um, before I ask you if you're somewhat convinced by that, Isaiah Hodgins also had back-to-back, uh, just in addition to this, he had back-to-back games with a receiving touchdown, but I'm not convinced. I don't think you are either with Hodgins, but with no. Richie James, could he make your lineup as a flex? 
I like Gosh, it more than Marquise Brown. Or, sorry, Marquise Goodwin and uh, <laughs> Alec Pierce. Maybe Marquise Brown with how he played on Monday night. Yeah. Jeez, that was bad. True. Um, no, gosh, in the playoffs, playing a Giants wide receiver in my lineup, how did I make the playoffs, number one? <laughs> um, but number two, yeah, it's just it's too risky. I think That's that, a good stat I think line, the though. Fact, and I, I, the no, snap, it is, but, but, the, fact that, but the, fact, the fact that Darius Slayton was showing such consistency and then Richie James pops up Again. and Isaiah Hodgins is popping up, it just muddies the water. I yeah. think that there's, there's too much ambiguity in this receiving core to – play you know to, to stamp my approval on one of these pass catchers yeah. and say this guy needs to make your lineup uh for for this reason i i, I just and, i'm not convinced of anyone at this point and to a- be anything fair can happen. any sort of receiving volume could have been inflated by the fact that they couldn't just use barkley as their go-to guy he only played 31 percent of snaps as he was Certainly. struggling with the neck injury monitor his status but i'm pretty sure he's back to being a full participant in practice so i mean him being the focal point does make it even more of a uh, risky play to play a Giants wide receiver. Uh, I'll talk about Daniel Bellinger. I, I just want to. I want to put. I want to put one thing out there because we're going head to head this week, um, and I'm not wishing upon injury for a player, of course. But how cool Uh-oh. would it be to see Saquon Barkley walking through the tunnel with a neck brace on, all all decked out in his suit and everything? That'd be pretty tough. <laughs> I don't even know what to say in response to that, so I'm just going to move on to Daniel Bellinger, who only played in 61% of snaps after playing a 97% in Week 13. Uh, he had a ribs injury, which he sustained Week 14. He's kind of a guy that's been like a solid tight end play, in our opinion, since he's been back and not been dealing with an eye injury or a rib injury, but keep an eye on him, maybe. I didn't mean that as a pun, but... Um, yeah, you did. I actually did. We'll move on to the Commanders. Uh, they were on bye in Week 14. Brian Robinson had 21 carries for 96 rushing yards and two receptions for 15 receiving yards in Week 13. I would say TD-dependent flex play because he doesn't usually get a lot of receptions, but he runs hard and gets a lot of carries, so I don't think he's a bad play. On the other hand, Antonio Gibson has had back-to-back games with nine carries and hasn't had more than three receptions since Week 8. Not a high enough floor to start, in my opinion. Do you agree with that comparison? Or not really comparison, but just evaluation for Robinson versus Gibson. Yeah, I do. And do you, and do you remember where all these stats you're pulling from who they played um nah uh, the new york giants oh nice so oh yeah that was i think recent. this is a good yeah this is a good comparison to draw um these numbers anyway there you go so great analysis by me we'll move on to the pass catchers <laughs> terry mclaurin Jahan dotson and curtis samuel all had solid fancy days in week 13 against the giants <laughs> wouldn't you know with McLaurin yeah. having the ceiling of a wide receiver one especially with Taylor Heineke apparently and Dotson Samuel being mm-hmm. more risky plays um Dotson hasn't scored a double digit hasn't scored a, wow I worded that weirdly hasn't scored double digit fancy points without a touchdown this season with Jahan Dotson so he is TD dependent I would say yeah and then Curtis Samuel had six receptions in week 13 and hadn't done that since week five so probably wouldn't be rushing out to start either of them necessarily but they're not bad options yeah i think i think like you alluded to mclaurin is a lineup lock and dotson and samuel are more boom bust flex options and i like samuel more um just put that out there than yeah no and i and i i agree with that yeah. we, we've seen we've seen very uh even less consistency from dotson this season so uh, i'm not disagreeing with you on that and and also if you're having to start one running back of the two, 
I think it is Brian Robinson based on how he performed against these Giants in Week 13. So just putting that out there. All right. Do they have the same exact we should, record? We should. The Commanders. They're and, both seven, yes. five, and one. Yes. And I think just to keep things consistent, we should pick this game the same way we did last time, which was I picked the Giants. I picked the Commanders. Right, you picked the Giants. I honestly didn't know I was going to pick, so that makes it easy. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and if they tie again, we'll take another loss. <laughs> okay. We'll move on to Monday Night Football, Rams at Packers. Um, two disappointing offenses, I would say. Um, but some positivity. Are you kidding me? The Rams are riding high with Baker Mayfield, well, I, former number one overall pick. I mean a little bit more if the Packers seem to be finding some offensive production, but sure, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the Rams. Baker Mayfield surprisingly had a heroic game-winning drive on Thursday Night Football, which helped him throw for over 200 passing yards. Not a very high metric. My point is really just saying he like barely had over 100 before that last drive, um, so that tipped him over that. But I'll talk about a few pass catchers. Ben Skoranek? Yes, that's right. That sounds good. Had seven yeah. receptions for 89 yards. <laughs> uh, Van Jefferson. <laughs> what do you call and roll? Well, it just it, like I, it's like it sounded like what, what the commentators would say, so it just matched up nicely. Um, yeah, A. A. Ron. <laughs> no, Van Jefferson had two receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown, and Tutu Atwell had five receptions for 50 yards. And like I wanted to add this, and still surprisingly, Tyler Higby has effectively disappeared. So, I guess Skoranek, or are you not interested in him, or are you interested in more than just him? In, in starting, I guess. Um, I'm not interested in any of these players. Right. Skoranek doesn't enter I, the Marquis Goodwin well, Alec Pierce discussion. <laughs> ben Skoranek, um, against the Packers, I wouldn't say so. Okay. No, I would like to avoid this Rams team if at all possible. And I don't. Disagree. And I've been saying that. I've been saying that for weeks. So. Uh, a rushing touchdown wasn't enough for Cam Akers to eclipse double-digit fantasy points, and Kyron Williams only had three <laughs> carries. So yeah, if you don't start wow. a single Rams player, um, if you somehow had all of them on your team, uh, yeah, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> the Packers. Uh, the Packers were on by in Week 14. Uh, I have AJ Dillon. He was on my bench in Week 13, doing very well, and it's like almost makes me feel good. Like, oh, maybe he's turning the corner, and I picked him up at the right time. But this is inflated, so I'll lead with this. He had a season high of 68% of snaps when Aaron Jones had a season low and 38% of snaps due to a shin injury, which I believe he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He'll be recovered for for this Monday matchup. But AJ Dillon... Yeah, I would hope so. ...had 18 carries. He, he's, he's trending so, in the right direction. Yeah, okay. So Aaron Jones has been a lock-in starter when healthy, um, and Dillon has mm-hmm. not. But Dillon yes. took advantage of this... Uh, some injury issues for Jones when he wasn't on the field, and Dylan had 18 carries for 93 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, three receptions, 26 receiving yards. You know, I kind of already let the the snap percentage thing. Yeah, and there's no arguing that AJ Dylan's a, a talented running back. Yeah. Um, I think it's more of an issue that the Packers have been a struggling team in general, yeah. and they maybe haven't been getting the running backs involved enough in the passing game, especially. Um, A.J. Dillon, who has shown that he has that ability. Yeah. So uh, Aaron Jones lock, is locked in, I would say, if he's healthy. And yeah. Dillon, could he yeah. be a flex play? Or do you think this is just he took advantage of the opportunity that he might not get again? Yeah, I wouldn't. We've, we've, seen, we've seen from him all season long um, that he just not has not been able to get it done unless thrust into a lead role. Um, yeah. 
we talked about how <clears throat> the only other time he had a good finish this season, and it remains to be true, is when he scores a touchdown. He's got three on the year, and yes, back-to-back games with a touchdown, but you're you're really banking on that, and that's uh, that's not that's not the way to win. Yeah, I wonder if this is a bluff since we're playing each other, but I doubt it is. The integrity of the podcast matters more. Um, <laughs> Certainly. Um, not only did Christian Watson score another receiving touchdown on only three receptions, but he also had a 46-yard rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Uh, Aaron Rodgers only had 18 passing completions in Week 13, which certainly should limit the ceiling of Packers pass catchers, despite Watson's insane efficiency. But... Uh, I, I can't trust Watson personally with Rodgers throwing like that, and that means you can't trust Lazard because for whatever reason, Watson gets all of the upside out of that lack of volume, and it ends up just being just Aaron Jones again as the only lock-in starter. Yeah, um, I think that Watson and Lazard are both flex considerations uh, considering what you have available to you. And I'm going to join you in picking the Packers at home here, coming off a bye, I think. Uh, Well, yeah, the Rams are not good, and they really, really squeaked one out by the skin of their teeth against a bad Raiders team last week. So um, it was a neat story, Baker Mayfield coming there on a short week and and leading them to a win. But uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have some things to say about that this week. All right, that concludes it for us, and uh, hope wish you luck in what most likely is your first week of the fantasy playoffs. And uh, thank yeah. you. You got anything to add? Uh, no, thanks for listening and or watching, and uh, we will see you all next week. Good luck. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>